help. I suck at dating with Dean Ungler, an iHeartRadio podcast. We are back. Week three. Help. I suck at dating. I'm Dean Ungler. Thank you for tuning in to listen. I have a very special episode for all of you today. One of the most talked about relationships this past year. Both of them will be joining us. Rachel Lindsay, Brian Abasolo from season 13 of The Bachelorette. I reached out to them because they've been through a lot. They both know me. We've gotten to know each other through a long time spent together on the TV show. Um, and a little bit afterwards, I think that they have a great relationship. I want to get to the bottom of what makes them work so well and maybe what didn't work so well between Rachel and myself. And I'm definitely nervous about it. Um, I've been in touch with Rachel a little bit post show, but nothing, you know, to the extent, especially about our relationship. I haven't really talked to Brian very much. Um, so I'm nervous, you know, I don't really know where they're, where they're going to be coming from, what they're going to want to talk about, but I'm excited. I think that it can only be constructive. I think that it's going to be a little bit awkward because of my friendship with Peter. Um, you know, him, Peter and I grew very close over the show, which kind of took a little bit away from the friendship that I had with Brian. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's important to put uh, everything in the past and just just kind of move on and grow from it. So we're going to have Rachel Lindsay and Brian Abasolo come on, um, sort through the awkwardness, talk about what makes them great, talk about what I could improve on. Because, again, Rachel is close to Christina and Danielle, who she um, was on the same season as Nick with, and she saw them in Paradise. So she can maybe fill, in a, fill us in a little bit about that. And, yeah, we'll see how it goes. You seem nervous. I'm very nervous. Um, I've had a lot of coffee today. It's been stressful. It was just a, a, a trek to get here. My motorcycle broke down on the way to the studio. The producer is yelling at me because I'm running a little bit behind. We had to push the call with Rachel and Brian back a little bit, but again, they're very gracious. They're, they're working with us. Um, I'm trying to calm down. I'm trying to practice my breathing exercises that my meditation app is <laughs> having me work on, but some things you just can't really settle down on. And so here we are talking to these two people. <laughs> I'm Dean Ungler. Help. I suck at dating and pretty much everything else in life. So one thing that can make dating easier, I talked about it last week a little bit, dating apps. And you want to know what the best dating app out there is? It's got to be Bumble because not only can you use Bumble to find dates, you can also use it to find friends. You can also use it to, to network professionally. I didn't know that. I think that I, I would love to have more friends. I think that maybe I'll just get on Bumble and start friend finding right away. <laughs> um, Bumble's great too, especially as a female. Obviously, I've never really experienced the other side of it, but I think that it, there's something empowering about the idea of the woman messaging the guy first because I have friends, female friends, who use other dating apps where these guys have just basically an open line to whomever they match with and they can basically start badgering and... and attacking verbally these women that they've never met before. But with Bumble, the great thing about it is the, the the woman has to message the guy first. So there has to be the the shared level of interest and then the woman reaching out, which is great. I think that definitely adds a different dynamic to it. I think that um, that premise is, is should be widely adopted. I think that they're killing it. And if you go to bumble.com slash Dean to download the app, you can start using Bumble. You can start going on these great dates. I have friends that have met friends, uh, boyfriends, girlfriends through Bumble. Um, I have friends that have met friends through Bumble and again, you can network professionally through Bumble. So if you're in a profession where, you know, networking is important or maybe it's a little bit difficult for you to do it sometimes, it's a great way to meet like-minded individuals. Um, and it's safe, which is, which is the important thing too. So again, go to bumble.com slash Dean to download the app and start bumbling. So on the phone now we have Bachelorette season 13, Rachel Lindsay and her fiance, Brian Abasolo. How are you guys? What's up, Good, buddy. Dean? What's going on? What's going on? We're all reunited. Yay! <laughs> happy family. Hey, are you guys together right now? Or are you in the same room, or are you? We're actually separate, separate rooms. Oh, but you're okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, so how's everything going with you guys? Stanley Copper wants to be a part of the podcast as well. Sorry. No, I mean that's fine by me. You know how much I love dogs. <laughs> So, so guys, okay, sorry. What did you say? fill me in. How's everything going? Everything's great, yeah, man. Sorry. We're just, uh, living, living in Dallas, living the Dallas life, uh, just doing our thing, uh, you know, potentially moving to, uh, California in the near future. So we're excited about what's to come. Wait, Brian. So you're living in Dallas right now at, with Rachel. I mean, so does that mean you sold your condo in Florida? 
I'm not, I actually rented it out. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm fully committed. I uh, rented out my condo. I sold my car. I'm, I'm here, man. Love I'm it. Invested. You got to. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I think that's kind yeah. of the approach you took during the entire season as well. You were fully committed the entire time. And I think that really, really shows, especially now too, which is great. And, um, you know, you guys seem incredibly happy together. I'm incredibly happy for the both of you. I know that there was a little bit of maybe backlash that, you know, the two of you took uh, during the season airing. And, and I personally want to apologize for maybe the negative negativity that I spoke of maybe the relationship that you two have in the press while all that was airing. I, I feel awful for it. It's never my intention. Um, but, you know, it's great to, to be able to look on and watch you guys, um, you know, continue to, to live your lives together, especially, you know, moving to L.A. is a big step. I think I'm trying to think, is there any other bachelor or bachelorette uh, that moved to a completely separate city altogether? Because I think mostly it's one person moving to that other person's city, right? That's a really good point. I think I, I honestly I don't even know. I think that I think that started well not starting over obviously. So so Rachel, are you going to practice law in in California and Brian you're going to be doing the chiropractor thing out here too? Yeah, I'm actually uh just uh good news is I got my application approved uh in California, so pretty much all I need to do now is take the laws and rules test of California and Texas the same process, you know, I'm almost getting that license as well. So I'm just pretty much covering my bases, you know, in every state that we could possibly end up with. So that's that's basically where I stand on that. But uh, but to to your to what you said earlier, man, I, I appreciate the apology, and you know, I've always had love for you, man. So you know, uh, let's let, let bygones be bygones, and you know, let's move on and again be one big happy family. Absolutely, and and yeah, especially if we come to LA. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we could be neighbors. Um, Yes, I, I do plan on my firm. I'm fortunate my firm has an office in California. And so, you know, if we make that move out there, then I'm going to take the bar and, you know, continue to practice and take advantage of, you know, what, whatever else may come my way. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, so, so to kind of get more on the point. So obviously you guys know this is a dating podcast basically centered around mm -hmm. my inability to be a successful dater. Right. But it seems, you know, as I mentioned that you two really do seem to be genuinely happy with each other. And, um, I don't know. I, I think that it would be great to, to kind of get to know what makes you two work so well together. Well, first of all, I'm proud of you, Dean. You know, I think <laughs> admitting that you have a problem is the first step. Help. I suck at dating. <laughs> I think you're headed in the right direction. Yeah, well. <laughs> no, I, I think, I don't know, like for us, I feel like, well, first of all, Wait, you're 26, right? So we're not 26. Like, I feel like if we were reaching, talking to our 26-year-old selves, it would be a little different. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think, like, age has something to do with it. Um, but for us, like, the key things have been communication. Like, our communication is really, really good. Like, outside of, like, chemistry and, you know, the getting along well and having the same interests, like communication has been super key for us mm -hmm. and has been so beneficial in the success of our relationship. I'm very bad yeah, at communication. I mean, that's definitely, that's definitely important. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, you know, the love and respect has to be there. You know, that's, that's stayed true since, you know, since the beginning, since we first met. And uh, like she said, communication, honesty, just being totally upfront with each other, you know, even if the conversation is difficult, you know, you got to be able to basically express yourself to the max to the, your significant other. And, you know, I think if everything's out on the table, you know, there's no room for misinterpretation. And I think that's just going to benefit your relationship. Right. Gotcha. And so so during the season, I mean, it, it is basically uh, the evolution of dating. Right. I mean, night one, when we step out of the limo, uh, none of us knew Rachel. Um, so it's really hard to chalk up that as, as kind of or I guess that is essentially when the dating begins. But as time moves on you slowly progress through the relationship and things become more serious right so so rachel do you mind i guess sharing a little bit about what made um first of all brian so great at the whole dating aspect and then on the flip side maybe some negative uh some bad aspects that you saw within me as uh, as dating kind of moved on i know it's, i know it's kind of awkward too because i mean obviously your fiance is on the line um but no dean it's not it's not awkward for me at all to tell you what you did bad <laughs> okay well <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, it's kind of like piggybacking on what Brian just said as to why, like, he stood out to me immediately. He, I'm a very honest and direct person. I mean, like, some people can handle that, some people can't. But I think that that has been beneficial in our relationship and 
just in general. And so when I first met Brian, he was very direct. He was like, this is how old I am. This is what I do. This is why I'm here. This is how I got here. And I was like, okay, this is very refreshing. It was a it was like a breath of fresh air to me. And honestly, no one really did it that way the first night. Mm-hmm. And so that really stood out to me. And moving forward, Brian just built on that. Like he didn't just talk it, he walked it, and he was everything that he said he was. Um, Dean! <laughs> Baby Dean. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you and I connected from the beginning because we had so much fun right and like that stood out from the beginning we had a lot of fun but sometimes you have to go deeper Mm -hmm. in a relationship and it just can't always be sunshine and blue skies you know like if you're trying to spend your forever with this person you got to get down to the nitty-gritty and I think with you like you're such a sweet and nice person that you want to stay in that world and you know you have to I think it was like a little too too much fun, you know, like just too fun. I think fun is important, but um, you know, you have to go deeper than that. Yeah, I I think that wasn't bad, Dane. No, I mean that was. Thank you for sparing me. (laughs) But I I hope as the conversation (laughs) wears on, you're willing to dig in a little bit more because I know I know obviously you watched a little bit of Paradise and and are familiar with kind of some of what happened there. But I I guess back to to Brian then. So, Brian, how do you think? More maybe like tune it more towards the listeners. What do you think the listeners can do to, uh, I don't know, replicate your, you know, obviously your your success that you had on the season. Um, you know, if if you're giving out dating advice, I guess what would that dating advice be? Uh, well, I first think that it's just very important to self reflect and just know exactly what you want. Like who who are you? What do you want? You need to figure that out first. Um. You know, whether that's settling down, being exclusive with someone, or just having fun and dating. You know, you just got to kind of figure out exactly once you, what you want. Now, once you figure that out, then, you know, with any party that you're engaged with, you know, you should basically be 100% honest and forthcoming. And just let them know where you stand and exactly what you want with them. You know, I just think that people get in trouble when they, you know, they beat around the bush and, you know, withhold information or just straight up lie to the other person. And that just brings on unnecessary drama to that person's life and who wants that. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's kind of like a truth will set you free mentality. You know, if you're just up front with the person, like, yeah, I think, I think you'll be better off in the long run. And, I mean, I, I don't remember the whole situation with you and the girls on Paradise, <laughs> but, you know, I know you were, you were forthcoming. I just... Maybe the delivery could have been a little bit better to each one. Yeah, I agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I think you, I think I saw like a, a a valid attempt at being honest, but you know, I guess maybe I don't know how it came out on this, like on TV. Maybe it was a little bit different than how it actually came to went down. But I think you were. I think if you were just a little more blunt, a little bit more direct. I think maybe it would have been a little bit better for you. But and I think that speaks to you a lot too. I think that you have maybe a little bit more self-awareness so when you're honest it's it comes across as more direct and, and more um yeah forward i guess in a good way because i i mean i always want to be as honest as possible i think to, to the point you were making earlier if you always tell the truth you never have to remember anything right and um i just think that exactly. I've, I've probably sugarcoated a little things more than than um i should have but um i mean that's great i think i think that's absolutely great advice um back to to the both of you then okay so I think you two more so than anyone in my memory, and it's it's a short memory because I haven't been a fan of the franchise for very long, but you two have, have kind of taken a lot of flack on social media, right? I, do you guys mind just sharing a little bit about yes. how that affects your relationship? Because, I mean, it's definitely unfair. It's these people that don't know anything about you guys that have watched you for two hours every Monday for nine weeks that are you know, making all these rash assumptions and, and calling you these names, and it's just ridiculous. How do you guys kind of deal with that or handle that? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it was difficult in the beginning. I mean, I... I'm, believe it or not, actually very private normally with my relationships. And so to be so public and honest about, like, the relationship and then for people to, not everyone, but to be attacked on social media and then just sometimes in the media, it was really hard um, individually and then just together as a couple. But I think for us, how we got through it was just being honest with one another about how it affected us and working through that. 
And I think that helped us get through it. And for us, it was like, if we can get through this, which mm-hmm. was a lot in the beginning, then we can get through anything because it was a lot. It was a lot. But Yeah. I think it just, it's, uh, it's a tribute to just our maturity level and just us knowing each other so well and knowing what exactly what we want. I think the social media thing, I mean, as you've learned, Dean, I'm sure, you know, not everybody is going to like you 100% of the time or anything. You might think you do everything perfect and somebody's still going to have a problem with it. So I think one of the best strategies is try to stay off social media. But, you know, if that's not a possibility, like she was saying, you know, communication is key. You know, if we see something out there that's negative or, you know, that's bashing us in any way, you know, we'll talk about it. You know, how do you feel about that? You know, well, we'll ask each other and we'll talk through it. And, you know, I just think it takes, you know, two people that have that love and respect for each other not to not let those types of things affect you. So, yeah, I think it definitely comes with communication. Definitely. And so have you guys noticed it kind of like dissipate a little bit since then? I mean, obviously during, I think, was probably the apex and just nonstop, right? But it's kind of simmered down a little bit, I think, right? Yeah, like we're just living ourselves, I mean, living our lives. And I think that and not paying attention or responding. I mean, I guess I kind of have a clap back here and there sometimes. (laughs) But like we're trying not to, (laughs) we're trying not to respond to anything. And we're just ourselves. And that's all you can be. And I think people are just either getting tired of, you know, being negative or just hopping on board, like realizing, you know, like it's for real with these two. And so we're just trying to block everything, all negativity out. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So, let's not, you know, let's not uh, dispel all the love that's out there. I mean, that's, there's a, a whole lot of love, way more than hate, you know. So, you know, we're, we're happy about that as well. You know, we appreciate all the fan love as well. Great. Well, so. How do you guys mind diving in a little bit into how your relationship has changed since the show? I think that, you know, obviously we all had maybe access to see what how your relationship developed over the course of the nine weeks on the show. But now you guys are like living together. You're spending pretty much every moment together, at least when you when you're with each other in the same city. So how has your relationship kind of evolved from then until now? Because, again, it's a it's a unique transition that none of us are really accustomed to. Has that been difficult at all? I mean, social media side, just essentially just two people living their lives together. I think we obviously get to know more of each other. We're, we're more comfortable in our own skin. You know, every day that passes, we're able to, you know, express each other, express to each other a lot easier than the day before. And, you know, in Rachel, I think I just have a woman that's, that's very patient. You know, she, she puts up with all my crap and, you know, still loves me. And that's, I feel like that's so priceless to be able to, to be a, be yourself and have someone who loves you for who you are. What kind of crap you know, are you talking about, Brian? <laughs> what kind of crap? Yeah, let's hear, let's hear, everybody let's hear has, some. Everybody, everybody has their quirks. <laughs> everybody, everybody has their quirks. Everybody has their pet peeves about the other person. It, it's tough, man. You know, you bringing two people with two distinct personalities together, and it's, it's going to be for a lifetime. So, you know, you're going to get on each other's nerves every now and then, but... You know, I just feel that she loves me, and I, I love her to death. And it's just, you know, love rises above all. You know, so you know, we look past all the all the flaws which everyone everyone has, and you know, that's something they should cherish in a relationship when you find somebody like that. What do you guys find yourself arguing I mean, I, about the most? Being late. <laughs> being late. Neither one of us are like timely people. So not very punctual. You know, <laughs> yeah, none of one of us has to step up and be the one to do it. So like. Our time management skills are a little off. And so, like, you know, sometimes I'm ready, waiting for him and vice versa. And so, yeah, like, I'd probably say, like, that's, like, our biggest thing. Timing. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I yeah. think I think yeah. timing not only in terms of punctuality but in terms of where you're at in your life, and this is a perfect segue into my next question, is how important do you think timing played as a factor into, I guess, your guys' relationship, right? I mean, Brian, I, 37, Rachel, 32, I think that you guys are definitely – at a time in your lives where you know you wanted to settle down, you wanted to start a family, um, how important do you think that is in not just your relationship but in any relationship? I think I think timing is everything. I mean, that's actually one of my favorite you know little monikers. Um, it's it's something that going in, I had a positive attitude going in to meet Rachel because I did see her being more or less at the same level of, of where we wanted to be with our, with our futures. You know, she was 31, a professional. Uh, she wanted to settle down and I wanted those same things, you know, maybe a couple years back, I wouldn't have been ready for that. 
you know? So I think timing and where the person is in their life and what they're ready for, I think that's paramount. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, babe, but that's, that's yeah, no. very important. Well said. Well said. It really is. It's like if I had met Brian like three years ago, I don't think I would have been ready for him. Mm-hmm. I think I was like at a place. We were just both where we needed to be to meet each other. And come on. <laughs> give, give him a treat babe give yeah. him a treat <laughs> i don't i don't know if that's he's yeah. agreeing with you disagreeing with you <laughs> I, I you know i thought that too when i, I was like oh god that doesn't sound good <laughs> no i think i think that's a, that's a good point too because um i think Brian and I talked about this a little bit throughout the course of the season i think i was the youngest one at 20 25 during filming of most of it and um, I think that you can always think that you're ready for something, right? But at the end of the day, timing sometimes just doesn't necessarily make sense. And so, you know, at 25, 26 years old, I'm thinking that I am ready for it. When Rachel, and I know you attributed a lot of it to timing, I think you're absolutely right. I think that timing plays a big factor in, um, you know, your relationship with whomever it is. And um, I mean, it's great that you two obviously were able to to kind of walk into each other's lives in, in such a unique fashion and, and figure that all out. Um, but beyond that... Wait, sorry. Beyond that, so what is like once you guys move to Los Angeles, you guys are are going to to again kind of continue your careers. But what does like a typical day look like between the two of you? I know you guys have been traveling a lot together. Um, I think like the press circuit is pretty much done with, but I still see you guys, um, you know, driving around a lot. What do you what do you guys typically like to do together that keeps things interesting? The other night, you know, we hung out with friends. You know, went out and had a nice little uh, like time dinner with friends, and then we went dancing. Afterwards, uh, we broke it down pretty pretty Ryan, well. You there. love dancing. And, uh, You're such I a dancer. Did. I did. Yeah, you know, Rach loves dancing. So <laughs> I you, gotta, I gotta, we gotta. Do you suggest giving the dating advice that I should learn how to dance? I think that I really should learn how to dance. <laughs> oh, you Dude, every every woman loves a guy to dance. learn how to dance. Yes. I, every single time <laughs> Brian came back from a date, he was like, "I was just dancing with Rachel." I'm like, "You sl- you smooth son of a gun." <laughs> Meanwhile, and I'm not I, even that great of a dancer. I just, you just got to put don't yourself be modest. out there, man. Even if you make a fool of yourself. Don't no, be modest. Not, I heard man. some stories. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's you just need one man. signature move. You just need one signature move. Here and, I am. And then I that's got, your go-to. I go, I go to my two-step. I go to my two-step, two-step and I'm good. <laughs> I, Rachel taught me how to two-step. I already forgot how to do it. Here I am dancing on stage <laughs> at a Russell Dickerson concert with hundreds of people looking on. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like burning up there to country music. <laughs> Which like, is just yeah, horrible. Yeah, you just started spazzing. You just started spazzing out. And I was like, all right, we'll just go with it. I, I was in fight or flight <laughs> mode. I went into panic mode. <laughs> all right, so that's what, that's what I'm going to take from this. I need to learn how to dance ASAP. Um, you do. You do. <laughs> Brian, another question for you. How do you find yourself dealing with fellow cast members from the season? I think that you've done a great job of kind of maintaining a lot of the friendships, especially with, like, Will or Josiah or, you know, the, the Floridians. But is it awkward for you at all to – I guess, maintain the friendships with, with the cast members from our season? I mean, dude, honestly, going into the season, I mean, obviously my main focus was Rachel, but, you know, coming out of all this, I definitely wanted to be uh, friends with you guys. Like, I wanted to establish a, lo- a lifetime friendship with, with guys on the show. I mean, you know, obviously you talk to some guys more than others, but, yeah, I mean, I'm in a little bit of a unique situation, you know, being with Rachel, so it's not like we can, you know, go have boys nights every weekend or whatnot but yeah i definitely try to maintain uh, a relationship with everybody and now you know i intend to have a relationship with you my man and uh you know definitely <laughs> love to hang out with everybody you know whenever i'm in their city or they're in mine I, I definitely wouldn't mind hanging out with with a lot of the guys on the show you know like you like you mentioned will josiah matt adam eric you i mean you know there's a there's a lot of guys that you know i i definitely grew fond fond of on the show well especially with you guys moving out to la i think it's going to be great and i think that there's a little bit of sourness that gets put into it right i mean we all go on the show for rachel right and and you were the one that walked away with essentially the ultimate prize and so at the end of the day we're maybe a little bit resentful of that but i I think that once we all move on and, and look past that obviously you know we all have a very very similar characteristics that are, are basically the basis for a friendship. And um, I, again, I think you've done a, a great job of being in that situation because it's it's difficult. You know, you you're friends with essentially ten to fifteen guys that have dated your fiance. Well, well I guess you were dating her too, which is just a weird thing to even yeah. think about. But um, definitely weird. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of you guys' time. Um, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for for calling in and 
you know, giving us a little bit more insight into what makes you guys such a, a great couple and um, your daily lives. And I can't wait for you guys to get to L.A. And we'll definitely have to, to grab lunch or dinner or some drinks sometime. And um, I got to figure out that two-step and... <laughs> And dance. And dance. And dance. We'll take you dancing, Dave. Oh, gosh. Yeah, man. We'll, we'll, we'll double, man. We'll double date. That'll be the day. That'll be the day. Um, we, we, we might be doing more than that with Dean. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Rachel. I'm just kidding, Dean. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'll be honest. I think you were you were a little too nice to me this phone call, which I appreciate. But um, you, you guys are amazing. Again, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you for the time. And once you guys get to Los Angeles, give me a, give me a call, and we'll, I'll be sure to kick it. Hey, Thanks for having us, Dean. All right, take care, guys. Take care. Bye. 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 Dean, you were shaking. <laughs> Still the cold brew, just coursing through my veins. I'm pretty sure my BAC of coffee is like a .25 right now. <laughs> <laughs> they were incredible. I mean, I think that they have, have a good rapport with each other. It's difficult, obviously, when it's a three-way call and you're not in the same room and you know you're not sure who's supposed to talk first. But I think it's very clear to see that they have a very genuine interest in each other and. Um, they're very dedicated to, to making the relationship work. And I think to Rachel and Brian's point, I think that's one of the most important things is just the, the willingness or the desire to, to make any relationship work. I mean, like they said, they'll have their little arguments, but at the end of the day, if you're willing to look past that and, and kind of see the bigger picture that this is someone that you can spend the rest of your life with and be happy with, I think that's the most important thing. So if you listened last week, which I mean, of course you listened last week, I was telling you about the fall box, fab fit fun. I got something new for you this time. I got what they like to call the editor's box. And what the editor's box is, is the favorites from the FabFitFun team. And these are the experts that literally compile these boxes for their nine to five day jobs. So they definitely know what is best for you if you're interested in subscribing to the box, which you definitely should be because for only $49.99 each season, they will guarantee you a value of at least $200 per box. And I have a box right in front of me here right now. It looks amazing. Let's see. So we got uh, uh, my Tagalongs high-speed skipping rope, which is great for me because I hate cardio, so I'd rather jump rope instead of going on a, on a jog. We have some dry oil spray from Anderson Lily. Smells like Manhattan Beach, which who doesn't love Manhattan Beach? We've got the Spongel French Lavender Body Wash Infused Buffer, which is fantastic at getting rid of dry skin. And we all know with the winter months coming, how this air tends to get a little bit drier. Might might you know come in handy if you got some dates coming up. We have the Himalayan Pink Salt Kit, which I believe you throw into the bathtub. Embarrassed to admit this, I love a good bubble bath. I'll take a bubble bath probably once every couple of months, which I think is a little bit excessive. But I enjoy it, and I think I enjoy it a lot more when I have the Himalayan Pink Salt Kit in the bathtub with me. Also, we have this Pure Lease treatment sheet mask for your face. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed how great the skin that I have on my face is. I think it's so pure and so clean, and I owe all of that to Pure Lease because I actually use this product, and I swear by it, and I think that you would really enjoy it too. That's just a few of the amazing products you'll find in the FabFitFun editor's box. And again, for $49.99, you get over $200 value per box. But for you, it's even less than $49.99 because if you go to FabFitFun.com and use the promo code DEAN, you get $10 off this editor's box. And again, there's a lot of amazing products in here, a lot that I use myself and I've heard amazing things about. So if you use code DEAN at FabFitFun.com, you'll get $10 off the $49.99 Fab Fit Fun box with a guaranteed value of at least $200. And that recurs every three months. You get one of these fantastic boxes. FabFitFun.com, keyword Dean, D E A N. So, throughout this entire journey of me hoping to improve at dating, I've taken it upon myself to reach out to ex girlfriends, people I've used to date, and, and the very first love of my life, Carmel, I won't say her last name. Carmel, who's on the phone now. Carmel, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Dean. How are you? <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thanks for taking the time to, to chat with me today. It's actually, I was just uh, talking about how it's been so long, I feel like, since you and I have talked on the phone. No, I think like 10 years, maybe? No, not 10 years. Maybe like <laughs> seven or eight years, but a, a long time nonetheless. Um, Dude, I was walking down the stairs, dancing the phone, and I'm like, out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, well, take a second. Take a second. I'll talk a little bit just to kind of give you a, a second to, to get your wits and, and your, your uh, breath back. So I was just telling them how you were basically the first love of my life, how we dated in high school for, I think it was like a year and a half, right? Um, I, I yeah. embarrassingly admitted that you are the proud owner of my V-card. And, oh, nice. <laughs> and I know we talked about this a little bit via text. So this whole podcast is about me and, and the listeners to, to be better at dating, right? And I think no better than anyone to, to speak to how I was as a boyfriend than you because you really were in there and entrenched to date me throughout those you know couple, what, year and a half, whatever it was that we were in high school. And uh-huh. for the listeners, so again, Carmel and I dated, I want to say, jun- sophomore, junior year of high school. Carmel then went to Sweden on a student exchange program for about a year and... That's kind of how it fizzled out between us, I guess. But Carmel, I mean, can you speak a little bit to about what it was like, I guess, to be my girlfriend, as weird as that sounds, and like maybe what you could see in my dating habits back then that I could do better at, anything like that? Um, I don't know. We were like best friends before, so that made it really f-ing easy. Am I not allowed to cuss on this? <laughs> we'll we'll beep it out. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, no, that made it really easy to talk to you about stuff, and I don't know, if you're looking to date someone, find a best friend first, that worked out pretty well. So that's what I keep saying to everyone, too. I, I feel like that doesn't really seem to be the, the main trend, though. I mean, I, I guess Easton and Mark, the two producers in the room right now, they were friends with their um, girlfriends and now wives before dating them, but I think it's important to have a friendship before you dive into a romantic relationship as well, because it worked so well with us. And Yeah, we never fought. <laughs> We never fought. I mean, I mean we did. Well, there, actually, were, there were some arguments we that we had. <laughs> we did one time. I remember one time we fought. Yes. And I think that part of the reason that I, you and I grew so close was you knew me during such a tumultuous time, right? You, through the, the passing of my mother, you were there for me and you, you never really wavered and you were, were constantly a supportive uh, person in my life during that time. And I think that was, you know, a, a very important for me. And, and I think that really just speaks to your character. I think you want to, to, have everyone's best interest in mind and you want to just be a good person all around and i think that as embarrassing as it is to sound i think that i took a lot from that because um you know even though you you can be an idiot sometimes i think <laughs> you have you have everyone's best did, intentions in mind right me too. <laughs> well no of course i mean absolutely um we were the two stupid idiots that did other people would think was carmel you, you gotta stop cursing girl come on okay sorry <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could have told you that beforehand. But no, I mean... Yeah, you didn't even text that to me. So, beyond that, I don't think you watch either The Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise, do you? No, I watch football, man. Good. I mean, good, good. Well, that's part of the reason we got along so well, because I didn't watch either of the shows either. <laughs> um, and I think, okay, so are you, you're not dating anyone now, are you? I am. Oh, you are? Does that, that same guy that you've been dating for six years? Yep. Nice. Okay, how... So, I mean, I should be able to give you advice. It's been seven and a half, actually. Seven and a half years. Congratulations. That's a long time. Thanks. Um, okay. my <laughs> Bringing it back to us, I guess, because I guess that has to be the central idea of this entire conversation. It's going to get awkward. I'm sorry, but I, I know you really don't right. care about that. Um, tell us about <laughs> – I actually don't I don't want to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you have to. Talk about, let's talk about how our relationship started, right? So – what? Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you what. Okay, go for it. <laughs> okay. You, well, well, like when we were friends, no, we hung out like every day freshman year. Let's talk about when we started to get intimate with each other. Okay. Um, that was when I came back from Hawaii when my mom got married, and you asked Giovanni to ask me out. Yeah. And then... That was pretty much instantly right after that. <laughs> you think instantly? I just remember. Do you remember Rachel's house party over the summer? That's when. Yeah, yeah Mason. <laughs> that's when. That's when things kind of kicked off for us, I guess. At least in my yeah. eyes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess what made you want to pursue a romantic relationship with me? I, I know for mine, for for me, I mean, I, I think that it was no secret that I was pretty much head over heels in love with you from for a long, long time, right? Yeah, right. Oh come on! Don't even start. No, <laughs> Dude, I had a crush on you since fourth grade. Yeah, I think that there was always like a cat and mouse game that we played. You were dating someone for a while, um, and it was weird. It was kind of like a forbidden love because my oldest brother was dating her oldest sister, and it was kind of like that. It was yeah. kind of awkward. Um, but no, okay. So beyond that, I guess was it was it like an extra burden for you to kind of be there for me during the the, the difficulties that I had to deal with while my mother was you know dealing with her illness? Not at all, actually. I mean, 
when Debbie passed and um, you actually stayed the night with us a lot in the sunroom, remember? Mm -hmm. And um, I thought, you know, I like to ask you questions about her. Like, mm -hmm. I, I didn't get to know her as well as Mariah did. And, I mean, I met her a few times, but I felt like the more I got you to talk about it, the better you felt, and then the more fun we had. But, I mean, I knew that nothing was ever going to replace her at all, but I thought it would just be really healthy for you mm -hmm. to have an outlet. And, and beyond um, all that, too, I think that you were kind of an outlet when my father was making me angry because I would constantly run away from home and essentially spend oh time God, with you yeah, guys. Oh, my God, yeah, tip. Yeah, oh my gosh. Who's I, again? I know you haven't watched the season, but he's in one of the episodes, and I think you'd get a kick out of it. Um, no, I can't, yeah. But that was another thing. So, Dean didn't have his mom was gone. His dad was being, you know, not a father figure. And so, when I'd stay the night at Dean's house, you know, he's the youngest. All his older siblings are gone. Chip is gone. His mom is gone. If I wasn't there, you know, it's like you'd be there by yourself. Yeah. Nobody to cook you dinner or nothing. So, and, and I think that that drew that added to the connection that we had and, and it kind of strengthened yeah. our relationship. I remember even um, I think it was one spring when I was a junior in high school. I got like a gnarly concussion when I was skiing or something like that. Oh and my like the, God. The, the first <laughs> the first responder was Carmel. She came to the you had to put up with me and you had to like pour what was it, hydrogen peroxide over all my cuts. And I was like being yeah. an unconscious, like ridiculous person. Every two seconds you look at your arm and it was bleeding. You're like, what happened? I tell you again. And you look at your arm and you're like, what happened? And it was fine, but, like, after five hours, I was like, dude, let's just watch the Nuggets game. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what was unique about us is because we had a great friendship, and then you kind of were, like, yeah. that, that uh, enforcer in my life, like, kind of like the maternal figure. Um, and maybe that's what I need moving forward, too, I think. Um, you know, obviously, you've moved on, moved on. I mean, you've been dating your boyfriend for seven and a half years, which is great. Um, I, yeah. I, I have not really been so lucky in my dating uh, woes to, to find someone that I've been with for seven years, but um well is that what you want do you want a long-term relationship do i get married or do you just want to yeah i think at the like, end of the day want? i think at the end of the day everyone's kind of looking for that person they can spend the rest of their life with right um yeah but i mean you need to have somebody okay you specifically need to have somebody that is going to know that everyone has a past and that past has definitely shaped who you are and some days you're going to miss your mom a lot more than other days and they need to be there for you. You need to find somebody that, you know, will support, especially with your dad. And So, so you know, going back, maybe, maybe that aside, just in terms of as far as boyfriends go, was I a good boyfriend to you? Yeah, you made me laugh. We did random stuff together. You always did what I wanted to do, even if it was stupid. But, but it was mostly stupid. Yeah, because it was my ideas. Well, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that had you not gone to Sweden, what do you think would have happened with our relationship? And uh, to give the listeners a little bit more insight, so Carmel went to Sweden for a year during senior year of high school on a foreign exchange program. Um, by the time she got back, I was leaving for my freshman year of college. Um, what do you think would be different had you not gone to Sweden? Um, not, not to say that you regret that by any means, because I know you had an amazing no, time no, no. in Sweden. No, I know. Um, I don't know. I think the main reason why we broke up is just because our paths went separate ways. Like, yeah. you wanted to go to college. I had the itch to travel and party. And we did it really maturely. We didn't fight about it. We didn't do anything. We just kind of went our separate ways. Um, I don't, I, I still, I don't know. I don't know if I would have had the itch to travel as much because I just got back from Sweden. So I was like, I got to go, go, go. I think you've always but, kind uh, of had that bug, which is good. Um, yeah. When you left for Sweden, I remember you were planning on leaving to Sweden for a while, right? And that was basically in yeah. the, the trenches of our relationship, right? We were like very yeah. hot and, and into it and whatever it was. And I remember the, the day that you officially ended up leaving, Brad was over there to say goodbye to you as well. And as I said that final goodbye, I was driving away in my car with Brad sitting right next to me, my brother. And I like literally had to pull over to the side of the road because I sat there and sobbed for like 10 minutes. I don't know if I ever told you that, but I literally no, did it. I swear to God. And I was felt so bad for my brother because he must have been so uncomfortable. But I literally had to pull the car over. I sat there and I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I just need a second. I was like literally like bawling my eyes out for like 10 minutes because at the end of the day, I mean, I did love you. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get to see no. you for a year after that. Yeah. And that was actually a big issue when I was gone for a whole year, that whole time. So I was gone. I was like, okay, it's been a year. I haven't talked to him because there's no Facebook and stuff like that back then. Mm -mm. We had, I mean, emailed each other, 
But when I came back, I was like, okay, you're over him. Don't get back together with him. Because it was really hard. Yeah. And um, I really tried hard not just, like, to kind of avoid you when I came back so I could move on. Unbelievable. And that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really work out that well, did it? But I do remember no. I do remember we would maybe exchange one email per day, and there were, like, these long novels. And, like, every single day I would constantly refresh my email just to see, like, had you been emailing me? I don't know. It's funny to talk about because, obviously, that's so, so long ago. And um, whenever I tell people that – you know, I the, really the only love that I ever been in in my entire life was with a girl that I dated in high school. People are like, "Oh, you were 16, 17 years old. That doesn't necessarily count." But at the end of the day, what I think it was, it was a feeling. It wasn't necessarily the age thing, right? I didn't really. No, I think we were really mature about it, and we we had a lot of fun. And I don't know, it it was different. It was different, but think, di- different is good. I, I think at the end of the day, we can say different oh, is yeah. good. Um, all right, Carmel. Well, I know you're at work. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. You're amazing, and and I know it, this has kind of happened on a whim. Um, thank oh, you. Cool. Thank you for taking the time to jump on the phone and talk about our awkward relationship when we were 17 years old. <laughs> um, it wasn't awkward. <laughs> all right. Well, it was awesome. And you know it. You're awesome. <laughs> Take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Later. All right. Bye. Transitioning from my high school ex-girlfriend to Sheree Healy, who is a life coach. Um, I helps dozens of people on a daily basis to, to not only improve their life, but be happier and, and just kind of, you know, be better, right? So, Sheree, do you mind introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about you? Sure. Hi, everyone. Hey, Dean. Um, I call myself a possibilitarian, so it helps people understand a little bit more the difference between what is a life coach and what's a therapist and what do you do for me. So, being a possibilitarian, I believe that anything truly is possible, and it's the hardest thing for me to watch people hold back in life, not becoming who they're here to be or do what they're here to do. So the bottom line is I help people get what they want. Mm-hmm. So you help people unlock their true potential, sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I think we all have limitless potential, and we usually just get stuck, right? We hold back because we have fears and doubts, and it sounds like that's a theme for you. <laughs> it was what was coming up in your last call, yeah. um, holding back, having walls around our heart, and, and not wanting to really open up and be who we truly are. Right? Well, so how do you help someone get through that then? Because there definitely is a certain level of fear to opening up to someone because when you're that vulnerable, right, you're kind of setting yourself up to be hurt more. At least that's the way I look at it. So how do you help someone kind of push through that mindset? Yeah, well, that is one potential, right? You could get hurt. And that's a risk that we have to take in love. Love is messy, right? But the payoff I see is greater connection, greater intimacy, right? That's that's the real game we're playing is I think if I win at this, I'll actually get closer to this person than anyone I've ever been to if I, if I open up enough. So I think that's the way to kind of shortcut the fear is to say, I'm going to take this risk knowing that, A, I'm not going to die. You know, like we have to talk about what the real risk is. You're not going to die. But, yes, could you get your feelings hurt? Could you feel rejected? Absolutely. So but here, the greater reason is deep love, right? Of course. And here's another issue that I have with that. I think that fear aside, uh, because there is definitely a certain level of fear to it, I just think that telling my story is boring for whoever is listening to it, I feel like. You know, like I don't want mm-hmm. to sit there and talk about myself for an extended period of time when I don't even find the story interesting. So how could I expect someone else to? And that's why I constantly deflect with questions about the other person because I'm more interested in them telling me their story than me telling them my story, right? Well, see, you just got to a really cool truth about yourself. You actually genuinely just want to give, right? You want to give to her. You want to, you know, do more for someone else, which is a really great intention and if you flip it a little bit and know that what your story does for a woman or somebody that you are trying to connect with is the more depth and range you have the more emotional capacity the greater she can open up Mm -hmm. so it's like we have this weird way of kind of like following your lead right and if you come in like with this ability to really take down your walls and show her yourself then she will too Mm -hmm. i guess uh, another issue i have while we're we're talking about it i'll just i'll keep talking about the issues that i experienced in any relationship i don't want to be treated differently for sake of pity or someone feeling sorry for me so by sharing a story of losing my mother when i'm 15 or uh, some trial or tribulation that I had to go through at some certain age that made me who I am now. It's it's kind of setting someone up to be like, oh, I'm going to treat him this way because he had a hard time then. 
And I don't yeah. want that to happen. I want someone to either, you know, like me or dislike me for the, the person that I am now, not the person that I was before. Yeah. And I get that. Your, your belief is that if I do this, we instantly get to go to the pity. And that's so emasculating. You don't need that. So I think it's more important to tell the story as, look, I'm going to share this with you because I want you to know me or I want you to be closer to me. And you can be very clear. I don't need anything from you. I just want you to know me. This is something that I hold. It can sometimes have me close up. It can make me not always be as open as I'd like to. And then there's this cool option that she has to say, hey, babe, are you doing that closing down thing? And she can learn how to bring your walls down. Like we heard your, your love language is touch, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so you guys could have a shortcut where she knows that if she just touches you enough, <laughs> maybe some of the walls will come back down. You know, it's just good to know where our triggers are. I think that's a super generous way to be in relationship, to let somebody know where your landmines are and what your patterns are. You know, it's ultimately your responsibility to deal with them. But if somebody comes in and loves you, she's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to tread lightly around these. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. Well, so, all right, so again, we're here with Sheree Healy, life coach slash possibilitarian. All right, so Sheree, I guess m my follow-up question is, are you a possibilitarian or a life coach with relationships, or does it span all genres of life, I guess? Oh, yeah. No, it's all things. I think, you know, I've, I'm not the girl that anybody can really put into a box. You don't put baby into a corner. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, in this business, everybody wants to put you in a box and say, do you do work? Do you do relationships? Do you do, you know, this or that? And I think they're all connected. You know, if I'm going to talk to you about your career, no doubt we're going to talk about how you're showing up in your relationships and vice versa. So it's kind of all of it gotcha i love that okay yeah. well so and I, I think that's good too because i kind of think that gives you the ability to touch a lot more people in a lot more ways right instead of kind of like you said putting yourself in a box yeah and i'm just i'm so fascinated and obsessed with life in general and all the things so i've studied my face off my whole life mm -hmm. in every area so i have this way of just i have tools for everything I love like it. you and i could talk for hours i'm sure so it's all good great okay well so sure so on that note then do you mind if we move over to some emails that some um listeners had submitted and we can maybe totally. diagnose from there yeah okay so i have one here from kayla and what she says is, Dean, I have been involved with the same guy for two years now. We basically act like we're dating, but we just say that we're friends. Everything with him and I is a secret to his family, but to family, we're an open, or I'm sorry, to my family, we're an open book. I always get worried that he's out with another girl or doing something to hurt me. I'm just so sick of wasting time on somebody who keeps me a secret constantly. Any advice on what to do for this? And Triella, you have the floor with this one. Yeah, well, my first instinct is to say, how does this make her feel to constantly be held as a secret. There's, there's an optimal mode for women, and there's an optimal mode for men. And the optimal mode for us as women is that we're self-expressed, meaning we can be ourselves, we can be out there, we have freedom, right, to just say and do and be whoever we are. And she's basically just to build on exactly what we were just talking about, being held in a box. And so she's in a win and a lose-lose, really, because she'll never get to a place where she can be fully self-expressed because he's holding her completely back. Mm -hmm. Why hide, right? So I'm not sure what she's getting out of it. You know, she's never going to be able to fully show him all of her, and he will never be able to love all of her. So I think what we do in order to play safe is we settle for less right yeah. she's settling yeah. for very little i agree i think that she needs to step up and do something about it whether it's uh encourage him to introduce her to the family or even just remove herself from the situation if she's uncomfortable or if she's not happy which it, it clearly sounds like she's not um, entirely all right so, so moving on to the next one this is kind of contradictory to to my problem is uh this one's from emma she says my major problem is that i get attached way too quick and maybe i tend to overshare and be a little overwhelming very quickly into the relationship when is it okay to start having personal conversations? As a person, I come with a lot of personal baggage, uh, family issues, and I feel like if someone wants to date me, they have to, the right to know all I am carrying on my back. How should I go about it? Help. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that first? Well, I mean, I know what I do, but clearly it's not necessarily the right way to go about it is I just kind of keep it uh, under the swept under the carpet, right? I don't necessarily overshare initially. Um, 
because again, I don't want to to kind of overburden the relationship too early on. So what do you think? Right, right. Well, okay, here's my rule for dating. Sort fast. I think it's really important to just put it on the table, know each other as quickly as possible so that you can move on to the next person, right? So she wants to put it out there, and I think here's this tricky thing. With guys, you know, if she puts it all out there and she looks like, a lost soul and a giant victim because she's got so much happening in her life, then it's going to take a special guy who wants to come in and save her or help her solve that problem. Most guys really early on, not knowing you that well, are going to go, Ooh, that seems like a lot of drama or baggage that I don't know if I can handle. So the way to share it in a way that's not scary is to think about there's sort of three aspects of a woman that men are looking for. And ultimately, when you meet a woman who has all three, you know, you, you have to have her. So it's really coming across as a woman who's got it all together, as uh, having a maternal side, like a mother side, a lover side, which is that sexy part, mm-hmm. and a queen. Like, I got it together. I got my world. I've got this handled. So she's the boss, right? And so if she has all of those and that she's nurturing and she's got the sexy and she's got her act together, she can say, look, from a really vulnerable place, this is my reality. This is what I've got going on. And be open in a way that is strong and, you know, also willing to receive from you and how you might come in and help her. I think there's a great opportunity to get really close in that conversation. It's just she's got to have two feet on the ground when she shares it. Yeah, I can get behind that idea. I think that's that definitely makes some sense. Yeah. Um, all right, so moving on to the next one. And, Sheree, I don't necessarily know the, the range of your uh, – the, the people that you help, right, in terms of age. So this one is coming from Anonymous, um, and Audrey actually has the same problem as well. She says, I've been dating this guy that I feel like really sucks at communicating. And I can attest – I mean, I can, I can empathize with that. <laughs> <laughs> when I tried to bring up the talk about where he sees this going or what he wants out of this, he says, I see myself in a relationship with you someday. What does someday mean? And will you help a girl out? And I guess this kind of is, is more centric to like the millennial fan base, right? Because I think that as you skew younger and younger, you tend to see this type of behavior in, in these people, right? Someone that maybe, right. uh, as, as um, Audrey says, has, wants to have their cake and eat it too, right? Um, yeah. So what kind of advice do you have for that? Do you, do you want this person or would you recommend you know continuing to spin their wheels and and hoping for the best or is it maybe better to to kind of remove themselves at that point well there's sort of two parts you have to think about what is a woman asking for when she says i want somebody who's really good at communicating she's asking for safety and certainty she wants to know where you stand she wants to know where the relationship is she's asking for a container right so if a guy can come in and say like i can love the hell out of you tonight And that's all I got. That's your container. And she can spread out in that if she wants, or she can say, no, I need more than that. Right? So a good communicator says, like, this is what I can give you. And I think what we find with the younger ones is it's helpful to know the stages of development for men. So when you're dealing with a millennial, right, or somebody in the ages of, like, their 20s, anywhere from, like, 13 to 20s, they're in this phase called being a knight. Like if, if you think about the phases, it's from birth to 13, you're a page, and then 13 to the late 20s, you become a knight, and then early 30s up until like 45, you're a prince, and then ultimately you become a queen, a king. <laughs> Sorry, a king. <laughs> or a queen, it's okay. So, I'm, I'd be happy to be a queen. Yeah, you totally can. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in, but in that knight phase where the millennials are, right, the only thing that is paramount to most, I mean, this is making a generalization, right. but it's fun. It's fun and adventure. Like, think about a night, right? It's about, like, going out into the forest and exploring, and if she looks like she might be a fun companion, then he's going to want to hang around with her. He's mm-hmm. going to want to be with her, right? But someday he's referring to, I'm going to get serious when I become a prince, mm-hmm. and I'm not there yet, and I can't give you that yet. Okay. Right? Which is fair. She's got to be cool with where he's at or date somebody older who has more to give. Yeah, that's that's, that's great advice. I, I guess I've never really thought of life in stages like that, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, um, all right, Shree, I have one more um, user submitted, I'm sorry, listener submitted email for you. And this one's from Abby. She says, 
I've heard of the three date rule and even the five date rule, but I have trouble following rules. I mean, I do too as well, I guess. So yeah. if, if I'm attracted to a person and a first date is going well, am I supposed to wait to sleep with them even though I want to? I don't think that I would want to be with a guy whose respect for me depends on me playing hard to get. Would you respect a woman less if she slept with you on your first date? I guess to flip it, like, would you think that a, a, a man who's dating would respect a woman less for sleeping with them on the first date? Yeah. What do you think? You're the man. <laughs> I think that if there's uh, – I never I would advise it. I would never condone it. But I think that there, if there's an incredible spark there and, and you're acting on your instinct and it feels right, I think that it's perfect, perfectly permissible, right? Yeah, I think it is. I asked this question to a relationship expert literally last year, David Data. He's a really well-known author, incredible human, and I asked him those very same questions. So we'll, we'll give you what he said. Yeah, I love that. He said, rules are from morons. And <laughs> I totally died laughing, and I thought that's the best thing I've ever heard because I don't like rules so much either, but we get caught up in them, right, because right. there's so many dating. And he said if there's a real conscious connection – and there's a container, you know, like I said before, if, if you're both very clear about what you're both willing to give and you're showing up like wholeheartedly and it's a yes for you guys, then yes, you do it. Yeah. You, you don't hold back and you don't play games by any means. But I'll tell you where the line draws for me, that there are sort of two kinds of attraction. One is pure sexual, what we call chemistry. Mm-hmm. And one is more heart connection. And when you're in a pure sexual connection, it's going to cause some kind of fallout, right? Because you're going to come together, have sex, and then it's going to be like, oh, my God, why didn't he call? Now there's all this expectation of, like, we need to, we need to put a label on this. We need to figure this out. Everybody goes a little, like, cuckoo if, if it isn't that heart connection where in the heart connection he will call again and you will have more to explore and he won't disrespect you because there was more of a give, you know, like I really am attracted to you beyond just your body. Mm-hmm. I actually want to make you happy. And, and that kind of deeper connection says to me, yes, you can have sex right away. Mm-hmm. If that's there, if it's just pure sex, it needs, needs to be spoken about and declared before right. you jump in. And I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying initially, um, just about what you've been doing. It's, it's it's bad to put those types of things into a box. It's bad to put yourself into a box, but it might be even worse to put a relationship into a box to where you're – because, I mean, you have to assess everything on a case-by-case basis, right? You can't yeah. have one overarching rule for every relationship that you're going to be in. Right. Right. Yeah, it's very, and that's why relationships are so hard for people because they want to just nail it. They want it to just stay the same, right? It, nothing, it, nothing stays the same. For sure, our emotions don't, right? Especially with women's emotions and, and why when you are more free with yours, you know, then that storm that can constantly be changing between the two of you can get really exciting and interesting, not something that you have to be scared of. Absolutely. All right, Sheree. Well, thank you so much for the time. Do you mind sharing your website for the listeners so they can check it out if they want to? Yeah, sure. It's ShereeHealy.com, and I'll spell it out, C-H-E-R-I-E-H-E-A-L-E-Y. Perfect. Sheree, you're amazing. Thank you so much for the advice. Um, Look forward to maybe having you on again sometime if you're willing. I would love that. That's amazing. All right, we'll take care, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Can't wait. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, Sheree Healy, ladies and gentlemen. She's great. I love – she seems like such a free spirit. She seems like just just a great person to hang out with. Um, and I can, really, I can relate to that on a lot of levels. I think that her mindset of not wanting to live life within the confines of structure or rules is, is a great way to go about it. I think that just being able to act uninhibited and do what makes you happy and acting on an impulse, while it can be bad, sometimes can be really good. All right, so – That'll just about do it for episode three of Help I Suck at Dating. I want to give another big thank you to Cherie Healy, Possibilitarian, Carmel, the first love of my life, of course, Rachel Lindsay and Brian Abasolo, who so graciously agreed and, and talked very openly about the relationship now. I think that um, it was a good episode. I think that every guest was was, was awesome, and I, I, I hope to continue this streak of awesomeness. So next week, we're going to have a question. Do you suck at dating if you refuse to sext? And I personally refuse to sext. I am so anti-sexting 
regardless of how long distance the relationship is, regardless of how long we've been apart for, it's just something I don't do. It just feels dirty to me. And I I know that there are people out there that condone it and suggest it, especially for the long distance relationships. I just can't wrap my head around the idea. I will I would never ask for someone to sext me, and I certainly would never sext anyone else. But that's the question for next week. That's the topic. Do you suck at dating if you won't sext? Email us at I suck at dating at iHeartMedia.com. No spaces, no periods. I suck at AT dating at iHeartMedia.com. This has been Dean. With help, I suck at dating. Thank you for listening. I think we're making some ground here. I think we're getting somewhere. I hope you tune in next week because maybe I'll suck a little bit less at dating. Follow Help, I Suck at Dating with Dean Unglert on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.